This is a Locker Room Production. Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk of the Plank, episode 20. We made it to 20, baby. And this is it. It's a Pittsburgh Pirates podcast on SB Nation's Bucks Dugout. I'm Nathan Hirsch, joined by my good pal, Jake Slobodnik. Radio Jake, how's it going today? It's going good, dude. It's been a good weekend. Sun's shining bright. Temperatures are staying warm. We all like to see that. And the Bucks won a series. It's been a very good weekend so far. Yeah, very good weekend in general. And for the Pirates, like you said, they took three out of four against the Miami Marlins and uh, weren't able to get the sweep today, but that's quite all right. Anytime you take three out of four, you're happy. Uh, Just real quick, in Thursday's game, the Pirates came back in the eighth inning thanks to a uh, Jacob Stallings clutch double to score three runs. They won that one. Friday, the Pirates dominated 9-2. Saturday, another comeback in the late innings to uh, take the lead in the eighth, although Richard Rodriguez blew the save in the ninth, but the Pirates were able to win in extras. And then today, the Marlins got a really great pitching performance out of Sandy Alcantara, and they won. And right now, we have uh, Eli Sussman of Fish Stripes, a part of SB Nation. Eli, how's it going? It, well, when the team wins for the first time in 11 days, it, it's going pretty good. Uh, thanks for inviting me, guys. Of course. We're pleased to have you on. Um, yeah, the Marlins were struggling a little bit there. Uh, they're now 25 and 33. How many? They lost, what, eight straight? Yeah, it was their longest or... losing streak uh, in more than six years. The last time they had a losing streak this long, they fired their manager and they replaced him by putting their GM as their manager. I don't know if you guys remember that, where the Marlins took their GM out of the front office and turned him into their manager. And that's where we were the last time there was a losing streak like this. So it evoked some very painful memories, and it's good to finally move move past that. Yeah, they got a nice win today. I will say uh, the Marlins do have a very young and exciting team uh, right now. Jazz Chisholm Jr. is He's awesome. And then that young pitching staff is really nice. The Marlins, it seems like they're they're doing a pretty nice job with their rebuild, if you will. And then got some former Pirates there, too, that we love in Starling Marte and Corey Dickerson. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot to, to unpack there, for sure. Um, I guess, well, what's been so strange is that this losing streak has coincided with Starling returning from the injured list. He was been out for more than a month of the year after fracturing a rib and he had been their best overall player for the first few weeks of the season. They missed him pretty dearly. And yet he came off the IL and he was immediately, you know, back to his old self, back to being just an exceptional all around player. He's a pending free agent for the first time. So I think that's part of the motivation that he's playing the best of his career. And it was crazy that they've just have not been able to win a game for more than a week with him in the lineup almost every day. And uh, he had a couple of key plays in this one. He had the, there was that ball in the left center field gap really deep that he ran down. I think that was to end one of those middle innings and to keep uh, Sandy Alcantara still really efficient with his pitches. So that added up. I mean, there's still a lot of concerns about this Marlins team, even with those key individuals you mentioned, because they've got issues on the left side of their infield. They have, as you saw, 
um, some uncertainty with their bullpen all of a sudden, and uh, their rotation depth is a mess. If, if you want to talk about that, it's that's kind of crazy, most of all, that they've made it this far into the year with basically three starting pitchers. Yeah, and they have uh, Sixto Sanchez. I'm, I'm not sure when he's returning, but he's, he's really nice as well. Uh, it's fun to watch him pitch. I really enjoyed – I will say this about the Marlins. I really enjoyed last season when they uh, kicked the Cubs out of the playoffs, and uh, that was that was fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was extraordinary achievement for this team. I mean, it, it's when you're 17 years removed from making the playoffs, and most of those years the team didn't even sniff 500. Uh, every little milestone that they reached last year was significant. Uh, making the playoffs was a big deal. But uh, it was almost just as important to advance in the playoffs like that, especially when they were underdogs in that series. They were led by their starting pitching in that series. And, I mean, most people didn't really expect them to beat the Cubs. You know, the Cubs just had so many of those familiar names. And the expectation was they would just keep doing kind of what they've been doing the last half decade. So that was, yeah, that was crazy. Um, that was the peak of probably enthusiasm around the team is those Cup that day and day and a half really celebrating that milestone. For sure, for sure. Um, Jake, we got Brian Hayes back, and uh, it was very exciting to watch him play. What did you think about his series overall and the Pirates overall this series? Well, I will say, I remember us talking about it after the last series, um, and we both made mention that once Key Brian came back, we were going to definitely see a big momentum change in this team, and I think that I think that exceeded be like way any expectations that we had. This team just looked like looked a lot different in the positive note when Key Brian came back. They got another. They got their hot young prospect back. Uh, his their offense it was spectacular to say the least. And um, his they, I'm sure that his glove was missed on the corner of the infield. So uh, really, his return really fueled this Pirates team. I think to really uh, win this weekend. And I think. Uh, Going forward, I think that's what we're going to keep seeing. I think we're going to see that this team is energized by him, that this young uh, this young leader, if you will, is back and leading the team. Uh, and there's no more, I guess, gaps to fill in, in, for, in terms of leadership and uh, overall talent on the field. Um, so I think that had a lot to do with this weekend. And with his bat, he was very hot offensively. I mean, we saw a home run in his second game back. He had multi-hit game his first game back with a triple. Like it was almost like he didn't miss a beat after missing almost two months on the IL. So it was just spectacular to watch, uh, honestly. And I, I hope that we see more of this going forward, um, especially with a tough competition like the Dodgers coming up. But um, overall, I, I think this team just looked so much better and more comfortable with Key Brian back. He looked comfortable be, to be back. And um, yeah, uh, overall, my impressions of this weekend were just. They, I know I don't I haven't said much nice about this about this team on the podcast, but I have lots of nice things to say about this weekend. So that's my impression. Yeah, yeah. If I could hop in there, I was. This is a pleasure to watch him play because obviously these teams did not meet last year with the regional schedule. So I've seen Kip Bryan's stats from last year, and I understood all the elements of his game and exactly why people thought he was as exceptional as he was, why he was kind of that consensus preseason NL Rookie of the Year pick. He was breathtaking in this series. And I thought I was nervous in that eighth inning. He came up in the eighth inning representing the potential tying run against Sandy Alcantara. And Sandy was still 
pretty much on top of his game, still throwing 93-mile-per-hour change-ups yeah. and all that. And uh, <laughs> even when he got two strikes on Hayes, it was one change-up after another that was well-located, and Hayes either spat on it if it just missed the zone or he was fouling it off. And finally, he throws one that's just good enough to, to finish him off. But overall, I, I guess Hayes for the series probably hit like 500 and – the defense as well. I mean, there was one play that sticks out to me that it didn't even look that hard for him, but it was a play like way to his left side that was so effortless. And it's just from watching him up close, finally. I mean, I've checked in on him, obviously, as a big baseball fan, uh, the games that he played before his injury and last year. But this was a treat just to see him every single play for four games of him. He's pretty special. And, yeah, I'm curious about what you guys still think about his rookie of the year chances because now he only has what six games under his belt but if he stays healthy the rest of the way he'll play about a hundred uh fingers crossed things go well and just i mean his talent is it i mean as someone that watches jazz chisholm jr every day um with all due respect to jazz i don't think it's really a contest that that hayes hayes is, just jumps out as an even better all-around talent he's amazing i, I think he still is a guy that it's going to come down between someone like Trevor Rogers on the Marlins, who um, obviously pitched pretty well in this series as well. But I think as long as if anybody's going to like catch Trevor from behind, I think it would be somebody like Hayes. He is, he's got amazing potential. Oh yeah, definitely. And um, you know, you guys have a lot of young talent over there yourself. I wanted to jump in earlier, but um, you guys were just going with the conversation, but I want to flash it back to, all the young talent that the Marlins have. Uh, one thing I want to highlight is uh, we mentioned Jazz Chisholm, but we also mentioned some of the other young talents on uh, the Marlins, such as Trevor Rogers. You know, he just came out of the woodwork and is making his case known for a Rookie of the Year candidate. Um, I was talking with uh, another Marlins writer earlier this year, Craig Mish, on another show that I do, and he highlighted the young talent a lot and said that there's a lot of potential for the years to come for the Marlins. What's your take on the stars besides Rogers and Chisholm about how they're going to really lead this team going forward? Now, obviously, we have the younger or the older talents like Hazel Zacular, who had himself a fine weekend this weekend. Uh, but uh, with Sixto coming back and then all the other young talents that the uh, Marlins have acquired in their rebuild, uh, what does this say about the future that they have going forward on top of the young leaders they have now? Yeah, it's been a fun start of the year uh, you know before this losing streak it was kind of encouraging at the major league level and even during this losing streak on, on the minor league level um it's been exceptional where it's like some of their consensus top prospects like max meyer the first round draft pick he's been as good as advertised in the minors uh jesus sanchez and lewin diaz former top 100 prospects they're playing great at AAA, knocking on the door but even beyond that it's been so many pop-up prospects as well already in this short minor league season that get you really excited. Like as we're recording this, Jake Eater is about to make his next start at double A and he's been arguably the most dominant minor league starting pitcher so far this year. A guy that was picked all the way in the fourth round this past year that uh, there's a lot of confidence in the pitching, obviously because we've seen it translate to the major league level with Sandy Alcantara, with Pablo Lopez, hopefully now with Sixto Sanchez, once he gets healthy, uh, Trevor Rogers being the best example because he was totally drafted and developed by the organization that there's so much confidence in the pitching and all the waves, even though at the moment, as I kind of hinted at, uh, they have a big issue right now with their current rotation depth at the moment, but hopefully that clears up within the next few weeks. And then certainly for the next few years beyond that, they're in great shape with their pitching staff in, in every sense of the word. 
But it, the question is with the offense, because they are really being carried a lot by those veterans that are kind of year to year with Jesus Aguilar being the best example. He is beloved in the clubhouse and by the fan base. And he has kind of surprised people by playing even better this year than he did last year. But he's a first base only guy um, who you just go year to year by. Um, those guys do not age well, even though he, he's made some fun changes to his diet this year, uh, hoping to add some longevity. But guys with, at his position with his body type, they just have those uh, limitations. Uh, Starling Marte, I referenced him. He's been awesome, but he's a pending free agent. They, they're going to have to pay a kind of contract that they've never paid for anybody since the ownership change if they're going to hold on to him. So uh, with those questions, uh, with Corey Dickerson about to be a free agent, Adam Duvall likely going to be a free agent, um, they have th- – those are the guys that have been so important uh for the most part, aside from Chaz Chisholm Jr., so many of these position player, young position players have been busts at the major league level. Some of them, the sample is still too small for you to kind of dismiss it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but almost everybody that has even gotten an opportunity outside from Chaz has not gotten the job done at all. And that's kind of the biggest con- – well, the two big concerns around the team are, one, about spending money because they reduced payroll heading into this year. And it's kind of unclear exactly how aggressive they'll be in free agency moving forward. Uh, So that's one. Um, Even though they have a new TV deal, they have new revenue streams. They really don't have any excuses not to spend, but we'll see if they actually do it. And then the other one is just, yeah, about making these hitters actually translate to the majors because there's just been so many of these examples where it just has not panned out uh, for whatever reason. And so the question is whether they finally get a few of these guys to stick, such as Jazz, and when they call up, in the next wave later this year, we should be seeing Jesus Sanchez and maybe Lewin Diaz and a few others. Um, but if those guys don't stick, then they, they're in a position where they'll have to make some very interesting tr- deals potentially to trade away their surplus of pitching to get other position players that other organizations have already properly developed. That's the big uh, question mark moving forward. And we'll probably, it's a bigger question really for the offseason than right now, but still uh, something that. I think everybody's focused on right now among the Marlins community. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let me ask you this about uh, Starling Marte. So the Marlins, they're kind of in a position right now where the trade deadline, they could potentially deal him to get something back, or they could try to extend him after the season. Like you said, he's a free agent. What kind of deal do you think that Mar- Marte might get? I mean, he's 32 right now. I wouldn't expect like more than – four or so years but how 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 much do you think he'll get on the open market just curious yeah well well jake mentioned uh craig mish who i would kind of correspond with every single day he's a great marlin source and early on in the year he speculated that if starling was playing at this level he's currently playing on it would be yeah four-year deal potentially north of 75 million dollars that seems a little bit of an overreaction because of just his track record prior to this year is he hasn't been quite as an elite offensive player. If he keeps it up at this level, I mean, if he is, you know, 40, 50% better than the league average at the plate, if he's getting on base and hitting for power uh, and, you know, doing everything else he does, then maybe it is in the realm of possibility that he gets in the high 70s or 80s million dollar range, uh, something like that. There's a long way to go, you know, because of his age, because of the history of guys deep into their 30s just not sticking in center field. He's been playing exclusively center field since the Marlins have had him these parts of two seasons. Uh, but, I mean, as the Pirates know, he played a lot of left field for them. 
and I imagine that that's where he'll be going back to at some point during the length of his next contract. And the Marlins would be fine with that because they just all these young outfielders that they have, some of them have great tools and like great scouting reports. And to this point in the season, some great results in the minors as well, but they just have not, you cannot trust them in the majors at this point. So Marlins really have questions at every outfield spot for the moment. And so they'd be thrilled to have Marte in there uh, somewhere, but there's going to be that temptation, as you mentioned at the deadline, Uh, so many teams are going to be inquiring about him. Um, I, I mean, to me, I think it's, a fairly simple, well, it's it's not simple. It kind of depends, of course, on how the team performance does. Um, we'll see exactly how much they level things out. Like, I don't think I, I didn't really phrase it this way so far on this chat, but this has been a pretty devastating week for the team. I mean, it's great that they finished off with a win, but that's their only win in this entire week. And they have these so many questions about their current roster that it's just hard to imagine them even flirting with 500, having any sort of interesting thing moving forward I think I feel like they've kind of played their best baseball already and it just has not made a whole lot of difference even in a pretty mediocre division to this point so there's just I think it's relatively clear that there's just not a whole lot riding on this current season which is going to lead to the temptation of maybe flipping Marte it's just that we've seen recently in baseball that these guys on the final years of their contract no matter how good they are you just don't get very much in return yeah, that's that's the thing is that no matter what, uh, even if they create a bidding war among different teams, you're not going to get a big package for anybody that is on an expiring deal like like he is. It's so I frankly, at this moment, it's hard to really see what direction uh, they're going to go. Um, I have to double check my understanding because this is an expiring collective bargaining agreement. I think they still yeah. do have that option of making a qualifying offer to him after the year. Um, which I feel like would almost be the equivalent value of what they would actually get in a trade if they traded him during the year. Uh, these It's a lot of questions. It's a murky situation, um, and I imagine it's one that they're going to kind of hold out on as close to the deadline as possible. So that's kind of the easiest answer, is that this is going to probably go down pretty close to the deadline in terms of deciding how to play it with Starling Marte. I, want to do, I will say this about Starling Marte. I, uh, I just looked up his stats, and... <laughs> It's only been about 100 plate appearances, but it blows my mind that uh, right now he's a 12.4 walk rate. His career marks at about 5%, but yeah, he's he's got potential to be a 300, 400, 500 guy this season. His on-base right now is 402. Once again, that blew my mind because with the Pirates in general, he always was um, kind of he didn't have a bad on base per se. I mean, his career on base percentage is three forty two. That's nothing to uh, complain about. But he was always kind of um, he just really didn't draw that many walks, to be honest. But this year, I mean, that paired with his hit ability in general. I mean, he's always been a really good hitter, and I was reminded watching this series just how damn rangy he is out there in center field still at this age it's really impressive to watch so I definitely will be interested to see what happens with Starling Marte whenever it's time for him to uh to get a new contract there's a lot of enthusiasm among the fan base to to bring him back for sure I mean what I'll point out is that the Marlins their payroll outlook is tremendous, all things considered. The biggest obligation on their payroll moving forward is, believe it or not, it's money they owe the Yankees for Giancarlo Stanton. They, <laughs> still, owe, they still owe $30 million on the back end of his deal that gets paid in the middle of the decade. And um, that's, 
that contract alone is more than the, the total value of all the actual player contracts of their own players that are on the books beyond this year. They could go in so many different directions. I mean, they do have some guys that are coming up on arbitration finally and will be getting some decent raises from that, but they still have so much wiggle room um, if they want to go after almost any individual player they they desire. And someone like Marte, he's, he's going to cost more money than they've they've spent on free agents in the recent past. And uh, one thing that Craig Mish did uh, bring up on, I think, his own podcast recently is the potential concern that because the Marlins paid Corey Dickerson uh, a couple, a two-year, $17.5 million deal, and that so far has not really worked out the way they were expecting. His power has totally disappeared each of the last two years. That yeah. that may make that may make them kind of apprehensive about spending uh, in free agency uh, even a much larger total for a guy when you know they tried that it didn't work out with with Adam Duvall it was a much smaller investment but so far with him it's been a really weird year where he's been exceptional defensively and he's been driving in a lot of runs but he just doesn't get on base enough uh, whatsoever to make it like a really consistent offense that overall with these free agent moves they've made so far. The kind of mediocre results may make them shy away a little bit from bringing anybody back. But, of course, they kind of know Mark. They have this luxury of knowing Marte pretty well at this point from having him down the stretch last year, uh, having him around in the playoffs, even though he got hurt in the playoffs, and then around uh, this year. So it's, it's, it's a really fascinating question. Probably another wrinkle to it is if they do trade him, would he consider actually coming back as a free agent even after that happens? You know, we've, yeah. that, that has happened a couple times in recent baseball history, um, but obviously not with the Marlins in that situation. That would be, you know, the best of all worlds, I guess, because as I already said, you know, this losing streak really dashed a lot of the goals they had for this season. It's just hard to really see that path to being even like on the outside of playoff contention that yeah, the best of all worlds would be to, to trade him uh, and to get a lot in return and then sign him uh, at a deal that everybody's comfortable with. But yeah, it's really hard to thread that needle. Yeah. I feel that as a, uh, as a fan of a team without the luxury of spending a dime, I, I definitely feel that uh, shifting back to the pirates a little bit. I do want to say Brian Hayes. I mean, he's played six games. He's already fifth on among Pirates position players in F4 at a 0.4. So that's pretty hilarious. Um, I'll say too, it is, it's nice. It's refreshing to see that the Pirates have a pretty decent top four now with Colin Moran back in their lineup. And even if you want to say top five with Stallings in there, it's, it's nice to see the Pirates have a major league offense right now at this point. <laughs> Jake, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Um, it is nice to see. It's definitely a good change of pace, especially as you mentioned, it's for a franchise that really doesn't spend much on the team. Uh, to get the production from at least half of your lineup is something that I think not many people, if you were to go up and tell them that, I feel like they'd laugh in your face, but it's good to see that happen. Um, especially with Key Brian back, I just think it's going to keep going up. Um, as far as say like Stallings or Moran, that's a big question mark because Stallings, he's not that consistent hitter that could, I guess, I guess I could really go out there and, you know, improve his individual bore. Um, but I mean, he delivers in the clutch, which yeah. might have a skewed effect on it. But um, overall, I, I'm glad to see that Key Brian Hayes is back. And I don't think it should come as a shock to most people that his F war is already 
<laughs> is already like right there with uh, all the top players on the team. I mean, we kind of knew this going in. Yeah, uh, we got a speaker request right here, Garrett. Garrett, what is what's going on, man? What's, go- um, what's going on, Nathan? What's going on, Jake? What's going on, um, Eli? Um, I was listening for a bit. Um, I wanted to wait before I before I decided to hop in here. Um, the like I said, both obviously both um both of these teams unfortunately probably aren't going to finish the season above five hundred, but um they like um as uh, Jerry mentioned in the chat, I mean they meet um later on this season in September, and I think like you're gonna see like a ton of young talent. Um, on that field, because uh, like, because normally, as most teams who are out of like who are out of the race by late in the season, they're playing a ton of their young talent that they've that they've had on the farm, uh, for either either for a couple years or for most of the season. But um, I, um, Nate, I'm not sure if it was you or Jake that brought that brought up um Corey Dix or maybe Eli who brought it up. But I think if the Marlins decide not to like trade um, Starlin and maybe try to re-sign him in the offseason, or whether they trade him and then try to re-sign him, you know, whichever they prefer, would the um would I mean would the Marlins one consider trading Corey Dickerson and maybe just trying to recoup some of the value that they haven't got out of him and just maybe try to maybe get one of their young guys, one of their young outfielders who are um who are uh who are who are coming up and for you, Nathan, since I think you cover the Pirates here. Um, how, like how many ABs or games or whatever do you think it'll, do you think it would take if, like, if he has any for Colin Moran, do you think for him to maybe, um, be able to at least accrue enough trade value where the Pirates can't, where the Pirates probably definitely consider trading him come the July 3rd first trade deadline, if not beforehand? Yeah, Eli, I'll let you take that first one first. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the dream. The dream for them would be to flip Corey Dickerson to get something in return. I just don't think that's realistic right now because, you know, last year he was shaky. Last year, even his defense was kind of uncharacteristically shaky for a guy that kind of recently won that National League Gold Glove, as you, you guys will probably remember. Um, and then this year his defense has been a little bit better, but just no power whatsoever, right? Even though we did – Finally hit a home run this week, only his second one of the season. It's it's just strange. I mean, there's really nothing in his underlying – just watching him every day, there's just not a whole lot of confidence in him snapping back into his old form. It really is a pretty big mystery about how he was hitting for great power uh, down the stretch in 2019, and that's what mm-hmm. the Marlins were banking on getting, and that has not come through. Um, for watching him every day, you know, an unfortunate thing that sticks out, I think – more so than anybody else in baseball. That's not an exaggeration. I think more so than any other player in baseball, he disappoints with runners in scoring position. I mean, the overall numbers are kind of all right, you know, close to the league average as a player overall. But with runners in scoring position, he just consistently does not get the job done. And today I kind of sarcastically I tweeted out that he got a run in because of an error by the Pirates when he was up at that with a couple of runners on potential double play ball that he hit or one that should have been an easy out. And they kind of lucked out to take the lead and they didn't get that lead back. Uh, really the only thing he has going for him is that he puts the ball in play. He is a good teammate of course. Um, and all that, but I just don't think he helps. I don't think any like contending team would want to actually play him in any sort of regular role. There's all that money that he's owed. Even if the Marlins eat all the money, I just don't know if he has much positive trade value at the moment. So we'll see, you know, there's a long way to go until the deadline, but that's kind of, that's definitely what they're hoping for is that there's some sort of resurgence and that something clicks in him because that has not been the case, you know, so far in his Marlins career. 
Yeah, I will say the whenever Corey Dickerson was on the Pirates, um, that I kind of like expected that that twenty home run guy, but I he I feel like he had a shift in approach where he used to be like you know. A, 260 hitter where he'd hit 25 or so home runs but when he came to the pirates he just sold out completely for contact and i mean he hit 300 with the pirates which was nice but yeah the power was just sapped and like you see it too his his two strike approach where it's like he chokes up halfway up the bat it's it's kind of funny to watch um, <laughs> on moran i'll say this jake you could uh you could tackle this too so with colin moran i mean I will say I have always been a Colin Moran hater, but I have turned around and I do enjoy watching him play. And like I kind of mentioned earlier, it is nice to see an actual uh, real life breathing first baseman that can hit <laughs> uh, this year. I mean, he is hitting, he's hitting 297, 352, 468 with the 127 WRC plus. He's not great in the field. Um, He's decent. I just he's a decent first baseman and trade value wise, I mean, he's a free agent in twenty twenty four, so he does have some years of control. I mean, maybe a team needs a DH and mm-hmm. like or first baseman, but trade value wise, I just they could definitely get something for him. I just I don't think it'll be I don't think it'll be a ton. Uh Jake, what do you think? Yeah, I I've been a Colin Moran fan since day one, and mm. I, I don't think – I know that's hard to think of because we traded away Garrett Cole for him, but I think he was a very promising guy. And considering the Pirates' organizational depth at first base isn't quite what we want it to be, I don't see us trying to get rid of Moran as soon as some people may think. Um, right. The only – and there's a lot of good factors that go with Moran, such as his defense and his stick, but there's also a – a few negative tangibles that people don't really approve of. One of them is his speed. He has no speed at all. And he, his full on sprint looks like he's dogging it. I'm just going to put it out there like that. Dang. Uh, and I'm, I'm just being truthful just from what I'm seeing. And um, I don't think his trade value is necessarily high right now. And as Nathan mentioned, he still has years of control in his contract. I don't yeah, think the Pirates are. I don't. I don't really think the Pirates are ready to ship him off just yet. Maybe once we get to maybe two years left, maybe one, or he's in his last year or something like that, we might see a little bit of trade talks because I think with the Will Craig experiment failing, but Mason mm-hmm. Martin promising to be a good uh, first baseman in the Pirates organization, I think that it's too scarce right now to really start considering deals for Moran. I think we're going to keep him around for a few more years, especially with his consistent offense. I think he's going to be part of the team for the next few years. Not, it's not you know not negative to say that he could be traded in the next few years. Maybe someone will, you know, reverse archer us with Moran. But uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I don't think that we're going to get. I don't think we're going to start hearing offers from Moran here uh, in the coming in the in the. New- okay. Um, oh my bad, Nathan. Um, oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, number one, I did not know Moran was going to be a free agent until 2024. That is news to me. Thank thank you, Nathan and Jake, for bringing that up. I, um, I did not know that. I thought he was a free agent closer, but I guess that, that just shows I don't follow the Pirates enough. So that's a little wrong on my part, but it's, uh, it's okay. I mean, you, you, you live and you learn. That's the blessing of being able to, know, being able to talk to people like y'all who follow uh, follow these teams. So so now, I mean, okay, so now I think, I was, I think that, was, that was the only question I really had. 
was really with Colin Moran. I thought he he was close to free agency. Apparently, he's not. Apparently, he's like really t- he's now he's like three years away instead of like a year or a year and a half away. So, thank you for uh, bringing that to my attention. I, I definitely appreciate it. Right. Jake. <laughs> well, 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 you know who's a guy that's kind of in that same situation, probably even more valuable to the Pirates than Moran, is Jacob Stallings. And he's a guy that on Marlins Twitter, we're falling in love with him just because <laughs> that, that just speaks to how much of a mess Marlins catching position has been, you know, the last couple of years. But I know he has a million years of control left in him and all that. Uh, is there any inkling that he's a guy that, that – is there any price that the Pirates would be willing to accept on him, at, like, coming up? Maybe not on the trade – I'm sure that's probably a better question for, like, the off season than the trade deadline. Uh, but, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm curious what you guys think about that because yeah, with the Marlins, they just are really in a bind with, with that position, you know, right now and then for the foreseeable future because there's just not that many of those impact catchers that become available in free agency – and the team just does not have any prospects that are anywhere like close to being uh, in the majors and coming up through their own system at that position. So they're just kind of grasping at any decent catcher that's out there on a potential selling team. Yeah, what, what's the situation with him and like how he fits with the Pirates' future? Yeah, the thing with Stallings, um, it's funny because he came up, he was not highly regarded. He is the true... Uh, definition of a grinder say because he really did earn his current spot now and I like Stallings I mean once again he's 31 right now and he's a free agent in 2025 so it's going to be a while for him if I was the Pirates I would most definitely listen on Jacob Stallings if a team wants to kind of overpay a bit for that I mean he has been really good uh solid defense and then if you get a WRC plus of 112 out of your catcher, I mean, you can't complain at all. He gets on base. He walks. Um, he He's just – he's a nice guy, I feel like, to have in the clubhouse too. I feel like his teammates like him. Like Jake said, he has been clutch as hell this season. Uh, he's, he's come up with many big hits, but I'm not sure. Uh, the thing with the Pirates too, though, is besides Stallings, there is absolutely zero uh, catching – catching depth whatsoever so if they trade him I mean it's it's going to be Michael Perez for the whole season which hasn't been a great experience so far so I'm not sure um yeah I mean like I said if I'm if I'm the GM anyone's on the table if I get my uh if I get blown away with an offer I'm trading him but I I don't think this season you said maybe in the off season um they could they can listen on but I'm not sure but Jake what do you think I I think we could actually start listening to deals on him because looking at the catching prospects that we have coming up, we if we're still in the rebuilding process where we're not expected to win for a few years, I would take maybe a season of Michael Perez and then maybe get some of the guys in AAA, maybe even AA up because yeah. I'm looking at who we have down the pipeline. And right now, Joe Hudson has been pretty good for us, at least from what I saw in spring training and from what, I, from what I'm hearing in AAA, he's not that bad. You look at AA – Arden Pabst is coming out of the woodwork. He's been hitting a ton. He's been throwing out runners at second like no man's business. So I think we have some depth that we can. And then, well, let's not forget about the elephant in the room with Andy Rodriguez down there in uh, low A, I think it is. But uh, we have formidable catching prospects coming up. So I think if the – I don't say we give him away for, you know, relatively cheap. I'm not saying he's on a clearance rack. But what I'm saying is – 
if there is a good offer that comes our way for Jacob Stallings, say there is a team that's on the brink of contention and they need a clutch catcher who is good defensively and can get things going offensively, I think Stallings is your guy, and I think they can start listening to offers on him. And I think we'll be protected by the young talent we have down the down on the farm with uh, catching-wise. Uh, Michael Perez obviously is not part of the long-term future. Part of me uh, actually sees us having a platoon of catchers uh, featuring Andy Rodriguez and Arden Paps in the MLB. Um, I, I'm dead serious. I'm sold on Arden Paps. That guy, I watched him a few years ago down in Altoona when he was first getting up there, and then now this season he's hitting a ton. I think we're safe. So I think if we have – I would say it's the green light to start listening to offers on Stallings. Um, it's unfortunate. I loved watching him play, but I mean, I think we have enough depth. We have way more depth than we do at first base. So I think affording us a few offers would be, I think it's, I think it's very reasonable, especially in the near future, uh, for, uh, for a brink of contention team that would offer the right price for him. Uh, so I'm going to go with, yes, I say we should start listening to offers on him because I think we got some good protection down the line with our. Eli, I'll ask you this. We'll give you uh, Jacob Stallings for Sixto Sanchez straight up. What do you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a sore spot right now because I, we haven't gone into this, but Sixto's status is starting to raise some eyebrows. Yeah, he I see that. Like this really minor injury. Um, he was supposed to, he was options out of spring training because it wasn't fully stretched out to be a starter yet. And he was supposed to join their rotation early in the year. And then one of his final tune-ups at their alternate training site, he gets a minor shoulder issue. He starts throwing, starts a throwing program like in mid-April, uh, almost two months ago. And he just has not made much progress at all on that throwing program. And now recently, like totally pausing that to begin with. Like, uh, this is something that we discussed on Fish Stripes and on my podcast, how it's just shaping up to be a really lost season for him. Like best case scenario maybe he is ready to be in the rotation again in late July. That's what we're talking about, where at this point, you know, two-thirds of the season will probably be gone before he gets called up. And it's kind of – it's really screwed up his whole trajectory, and it's raising some eyebrows because we're not getting a clear answer from the team about, you know, whether he's aggravated the injury or what exactly is the problem. But, I mean, under normal circumstances, I love the guy. Um, I, I It was such a pleasure to watch him not even in in the majors, but actually in double A in 2019. I watched so many of those outings, and it's clear just how much pitchability he has. It's not just the raw stuff, but a guy that really knows how to pitch and is uh, such a joy to watch, so efficient with his pitches that he's going to be uh, he's going to be a great starting pitcher as long as he's healthy. And that's been the question, you know, throughout his minor league career, and that's the question now. And they're really missing him right now, you know to stabilize the back end of their rotation and to bring some enthusiasm because right now, you know, the guy that's kind of doing all the heavy lifting in that enthusiasm department, it's been jazz Chisholm jr. And it's been a little bit of Starling and a little bit of Jesus Aguilar and on their pitchers, but they, they six is the guy that, you know, if we started 2021, he was the guy they pointed to as the potential face of the franchise. And it's been, it's been a big bummer, you know, for everybody to have him missing, but I mean, of course, I mean, who am I talking to? I'm talking to guys that spent most of this year without Cabrian Hayes, and yeah. you know exactly how that feels to have such a key piece that's been missing and that is so important to evaluate at the major league level. So, yeah, it's something that Marlins fans should be complaining about more than any other team, but it's that's kind of been a big story this whole season. It's just all these injuries to all these dynamic young players. Yeah, for everyone, too. You know. I will say this about Sanchez. I personally am very sad about his uh, – 
his availability because I drafted him in fantasy. So yeah. that yeah, you're not alone. You're not, I remember the conversation. <laughs> I'm not a huge fantasy guy, but I just yeah. remember the conversations in the in spring training about kind of him and Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez all kind of all being you know head to head and head. Which one of those guys is going to be the most valuable over the course of this season? Like that was a very legitimate question. Is which of those guys? is going to have the best overall season. They got, they all do a lot of good things. And we so far this year, both Sandy and Pablo have been almost exactly what the Marlins would have hoped for this year um, in their age 25 seasons. And, and the fact that 6-0 has been nothing, it's it's been a big bummer for the year, for sure. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap things up here real quick, I'm just going to look at the upcoming schedules for both of these teams. It's funny, the Marlins have the random Monday makeup game at Boston before uh, they have to go and they'll host Colorado for three and then Atlanta for three. So they should be able to handle Colorado. I will say that the Pirates were able to handle them last weekend. So they should Wait, be good. Um, Nathan, is that series with um, the Mars against Ro- the Rockies, is that in or is that in Miami or is that, that in is Colorado? In Miami. Yeah, the Marlins yeah. had a six game. Then, yeah, the Marlins should handle the Rockies because the Rockies, they, they're not very good on the road. Right. That's, yeah, as an understatement, man. I mean, they, I was, they're on I pace to be. Modest, I was trying to be modest, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, and I cut you off there. I just had to oh, this guy. I like Garrett. Yeah. Uh, and then the Pirates, their schedule, not so easy. They will host the Dodgers for three. And actually, it's, it's kind of rough here for the Pirates for a little bit. They host the Dodgers for three. And then they go to Milwaukee, then to Washington. And then they come back and they get the Indians, who aren't, like, super great, but they're better than the Pirates. And then they host uh, the White Sox for two. That's a, another hard team. And then they go to St. Louis. So the rest of this month, the Pirates will probably, if, if you guys bet, uh, the Pirates will probably be underdogs in every single one of those games, I would imagine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. I'm really dreading the series of the Dodgers. The only thing I'm happy about is that we get the back end of their rotation. I think the hardest what we have to face is uh, probably Walker Bueller. I don't think Trevor Bauer pitched today, so we don't have to worry about him. And I don't. I looked at the probables. I don't think Kershaw is listed as one of them. So that Kershaw, makes me happy. Kershaw pitched. Uh, he pitched yesterday, I think. So y'all y'all probably might miss Kershaw too. Oh, nice. thank God. So we got a we got a bit of a grace period with that. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy with that and. Um, Hopefully we can see some promising things out of the Pirates, even if we don't end up on the winning side here in the near future. Hopefully we do see some promise. Hopefully Phil, Phil Evans is coming back soon and he can take over for Eric Gonzalez, who has just been a, a liability on defense and offense, really. So I think if he comes back, I think we'll look a little little sharper, even if we don't win, you know, uh, win the For sure, for sure. Yeah, uh, Bueller will be tough. He's also on my fantasy team, so I'm looking forward to that for me personally. But yeah, he's on your fantasy team. Yeah, I got I got Bueller. I do. He's on, he's on mine too. He's on mine. He's been all right. He's been all right. Uh, hey, Wednesday, he's been solid for me. Yeah, yeah, he's been pretty good. Uh, Wednesday it, on ESPN, they don't really they don't have a listed starter for the Pirates. I mean, for the Dodgers, um, the Pirates don't have a listed starter for t- uh, Tuesday. But uh, the Pirates still have Mitch Keller listed for Thursday, and he went on the COVID aisle, so we'll see what happens there. And then Julio uh, Urias? Urias? It's tough to say. Urias? 
I'm terrible with names. I will say that. But I, <laughs> Don't feel bad. You're not the only one. Yeah. It'll be a tough series for sure for the Pirates. I think that's a good uh, place to wrap things up. Eli, where can we find you on Twitter? Oh, yeah, I mean, I got my fingerprints all over Fish Stripes. So if you search for Fish Stripes on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, um, obviously our website, fishstripes.com, has everything. But me personally, uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Real Eli, spelled E-L-Y at, at the ends. So you can get some of my personal thoughts there. Um, Thanks. Yeah. Covering, uh, yeah, covering this Marlins team, I feel like uh, in a creative way, more so than other people. And uh, we have a lot of fun doing it right now. We uh, yeah, we do plenty of our own podcasting. Fist Stripes, search for the Fist Stripes podcast wherever you get it. I actually have to record a portion of that to go up tomorrow uh, about the state of the Marlins. So, yeah, wherever you get your podcast, you can find us there. And uh, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys bringing me on. Of course, we appreciate you joining. Uh, a lot of great Marlins insight, for sure. And uh, it, it is always fun to kind of learn more about different teams, other than the one you cover. So thank you for joining us. Garrett, thank you as well. You made some very nice points. Uh, Jake, you as well. Thank you. And uh, you guys could plug your Twitters if you want. <laughs> Underscore Radio Jake, as always. Awesome. At- um, at Gary Stud ninety four. Um, I I don't I co host I co host a podcast uh, every week. Uh, every week, well, at least we try to record every week here on Locker Room. Um, me and Jacob Cisneros. He uh covers the Angels and Dodgers, so you go figure with that. He covers both both LA teams. Um, so uh, we normally host it here on Locker Room. We normally we normally cover a variety of baseball topics. So we're gonna try to do one this Friday. We haven't figured out a time a time frame yet. So. If, uh, just give, once again, give me a follow on Twitter at GarySlut94. Also, I I I do also have my my own podcast um, that I host, but it's been a while because my co-host he co- he covers minor league baseball, Keaton Galogly. So I'm kind of a little bit of everywhere. Um, I do two podcasts. One of them I currently do. The other one's kind of on hold because my co-host is busy. But um, uh, but normally I host I host my podcast here on Locker Room. So just if you guys are ever do, uh, hosting a show, if I'm not busy, just send me an invite. I make sure to follow all of you. So if you're ever hosting one, shoot me an invite, and I'll try to hop in if I'm not busy. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, if you're uh, if you're hosting a podcast here on Locker Room, I'll try to hop on one of these times. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Nathan underscore Hirsch, and of course. Follow Bucks Dugout on Twitter at Bucks Dugout. Guys, this was a lot of fun. Uh, really appreciate talking to all of you. And uh, next time the Marlins and the Pirates play, Eli, we'll, we'll have to do this again in September. All the way in September. I haven't even checked the schedule on that. Yeah. But these teams will look a lot different for sure by then. They definitely will. Uh, thank you, Jake. Thank you, Garrett. Thank you, Eli. We'll, we'll wrap it up here. Um, everyone have a great rest of your day. And uh, peace out. All right, boys. We'll see you.